thermal sound wave wave it's thermal sound waves the natural alternative to fast food radio track life a radio wlgk logic radio chicago we here see true kev lawrence kev lawrence see truth hit us up thermal sound wave to gmail.com thermal sound waves.com or call us 347-454-1278 we have a guest in studio with us live in studio and he's done a lot of things uh, behind the scenes and has managed and put together a lot of different things that you're probably familiar with and you've seen and you've heard and uh, you know about but you're yeah, not familiar with in the back yeah but you're not familiar with this gentleman that we have here sitting you know live in studio with us and uh there's always someone behind it the wizard of Oz. always <laughs> you know what I mean? it's, it's a whole wizard but he ain't, he ain't as short as, <laughs> as the wizard of Oz <laughs> right, character right. It's a little difference in height, you know. It's difference in height. Yeah, it's it's, it's a whole Wizard of Oz situation. Like but. you see the, your favorite celebrities, your favorite shows, and which is great. The spotlight is on them, and you, if you're really looking into it, you say, "Who's how does happen? How does this happen? How does who's production? Who does that? How so and so?" It's like you said. There's always a a person, woman, a man, man, a woman that is behind it that knows how to make the engine run and all gets the pieces together to build the engine or the car and make it run right and we have a a young gentleman come a young gentleman <laughs> uh, here with us right now <laughs> with the with the the super sneakers on <laughs> the super sneaker on <laughs> the super sneaker like one sneaker the fly sneaker like shoe <laughs> the shoe you gotta say that creepy though you got shoe. one shoe <laughs> Yo, let me get two two shoe. <laughs> Shout out to has been saying, let me get two shoe or two drink. It's, it's, it's supposed to be plural, guy. Anyway, we have Mr. Well, I got to say the, 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 the you know, business name. Mr. Dorian Graham on the show right now. Dorian Graham on the show right now. Dorian Graham. <laughs> fellas, fellas, what's good? What's good? Yes, yes, Finally yes, got yes, you yes. on here. Hey, you know, it, it, everything happens when it's supposed to happen. That's right. Oh, that sound. That sound like <laughs> that sound like you're not ready yet. <laughs> it's wow, right, 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 right. You ready now? Got you on the program. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for coming by. That's nothing. Uh, it's been a long time, like we said. Uh, you're, uh, you are the guy that we was talking about the, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> That's kind of accurate. Yeah, because I remember coming up to an office before. And I remember the office in the corner. <laughs> right. And I saw the whole Manhattan. <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay. Cool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, one of those type of things. Right, right. No. Uh, you're, you have, you're almost like, I'm listening to the song, past song from the clips. Remember that song, Grinding? Yeah, absolutely. And Huge song. The clips, especially Pusha T, had a verse. Legend in two games. Like I'm Pee Wee Kirkland. And I automatically thought about you. Huh. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because you are a legend in two games. Now, some people may say, well, we're talking about production. What other game are we talking about? Basketball. Right. Yeah. And the the heart of basketball, what we, many people grew up to watching these movies that and they sprung off into other films and stuff like that, comes from certain people, which many people might not even give them too much recognition but everybody learned from people like you 
and we're talking about New York City basketball all over, whether it's Rucker Park, whether it's West 4th, uh, but let's say with Rucker Park, uh, that's your game as well. Uh, so yeah. we're going to start off with, let's start off with the production first. Okay. Because I want to really end off with solely on that basketball situation. Okay. So let people know who you did production for. Oh, man. So 92, I... Uh, 92? You said 92 has been doing this. Just yeah, 92, I got uh, a job at HBO um, in the accounting department and because I had a degree, I have a degree in uh, mass communication. Oh, okay, degrees. All right, cool, cool. I got mine too. All right, educated. Cool. See, educated, got one too. All right, all right. Educated. So right. we ain't suckers now, see? All right. No, exactly. A lot of people make it seem like we suckers. Like, you went to school, sucker? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, second class. Dan Ryder went to school. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Shout out to two chains and pliers. Act like they ain't graduates. Y'all graduates. Cut it out. Acting like y'all dumb. Y'all ain't dumb. Go ahead. So uh, I actually got a, a job in their accounting department. Accounting, um, yeah, yeah. Because, so, first I had a job when I got when I graduated at Bergdorf Goodman as a stock associate, right? My art worked there. I needed a job. I'm going to do that. Shots nepotism. Got to. <laughs> yes. But I'm going to keep looking for something in communication. Right. HBO had their own internal uh, temp agency that I found out about. So I got my name in that hat. Did a temp job during their Christmas party where I was an operator answering the main line. So while everybody's partying, yeah. you'll be working. Yeah. Make but, yourself useful. But it didn't matter because to me, I had to get into HBO somehow. So from there, I became, I got a job in the accounting department as a, in clerical files, mm -hmm. got a staff position, I was right. getting benefits and everything. Met a sister. Early. Yeah, met a sister in the sports department. Met with her. She told me that they had an, a paid internship for the summer, but I would lose all my benefits that I had, you know, from being in clerical files if I took that job. It and there's no guarantee that Big it lasted during past the summer. But I was like, well, I didn't go to school for clerical files. I'll get another job. I'm going to take this joint. Took that joint as a PA, an uh, intern PA. Now, what does that paid, mean? So basically, I was a production assistant on various shows from Wimbledon, because they used to do Wimbledon Live, okay. boxing events, right. uh, documentaries, everything HBO Sports was doing, I was a production assistant on wow. in one way or another. So, and from that- We still uh, in 92. This is 92. All this stuff happened in 92. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is, this is 92. Was when it takes I got some it. people like twenty years. You yeah, know, yeah, just no, get out no. that. Just get out of stock room. So. Ninety two, I got it. So once I got in, you know, I, I let my my personality do the rest of my my work ethic. Shout oh, out to your neighborhood. Your neighborhood probably give you personality. Oh no, no, no question. But also basketball helped a lot too. So um, got that job. Worked there for like three years. Uh, kind of hit the roof where they weren't allowing me to go any further actually had a falling out with the sister that put me on um, during a production that we did, a major production. You sure called... you was Alshon, man? <laughs> nah, no, no. It's all right, no, you can say it. Y'all cool now. Yeah, we cool, cool, we real cool. She's we be real honest, cool. she, 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 she was Alshon? No, no, no. She was just, what happens is, and it happens in a lot of areas with women, uh, 
you know, it was a good old boys network. She was a sister. The only black. Right. So she always had to make her voice heard the loudest. And they let she her felt, get away with it because and, you know, she is the but, mama. Right. But and you're the me, son. I'm not that dude. Like, I can't just allow people to yell at me about stuff that I have nothing to do with. That's not, I can't get down like that. I hear so, that stuff still happens. Yeah, no, it still happens. And people accept it, and that's cool for them. But I'm never going to accept, first of all, you ain't got to scream at me whether I'm doing wrong or right. Like, talk to me. I'll apologize. I'll fix it. Whatever the case got to be. But the screaming stuff, that doesn't that doesn't go over well with me. So When she sees you now, does she feel like? Oh, no, we we best of friends now. Oh. Like, we're best of friends. Like, that's, it got squashed. So, I left I HBO. Too, if I know what you're doing now. <laughs> nah. Go ahead. Go ahead. But, so, I left HBO Sports. Uh was looking around, got a job back at HBO as a writer for the the uh, movie that they did on Earl Manigault, which was oh, wow. called Rebound, starring uh, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle was it, and I don't know how I got in touch with these people, but they found me and had me be a writer on the, the, the website for content that they were making for the website. The, the documentary, I mean, the movie was already done. So started doing that. Then got a job at Classic Sports, which... Wait, didn't they? Yeah, class, it was Classic Sports before ESPN purchased it. Right. So I got in before ESPN, so I got stock, I got all that. And then nice. ESPN purchased Early. it. Early? Yeah. ESPN purchased it. Cha-ching. Stayed on with ESPN and became ESPN Classic Sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, stayed there for a couple of years. Then ESPN wanted me to move to Bristol. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to Bristol. UK. That's not <laughs> Come on, the UK. No, no, Bristol, Connecticut. Oh, Bristol, Connecticut. <laughs> middle, of, middle of nowhere. Yeah, Nothing yeah, but yeah. cows out yeah, there. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to That's like that. 95, 91 or something. Like that. Uh, you figure, this is probably 90. Six by now. Maybe. I'm talking about the the throughway. Oh, the throughway. Eighty four goes. So it goes that way. That's all. Something goes. There. I know. I never went. They tried to get me to go. I was like, Yeah, I love this job, but there's no way I'm. If you'd have went to stay, you'd have probably moved to Southern Connecticut and started working at WWF. <laughs> no, see, that's I, what's there. That's everybody yeah. knows is you know WWF or WWE is there. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to do that. I'm still in New York. I'm still playing ball. I'm not really trying to do that. I see y'all later. <laughs> Then get a job at the NBA, which is my dream job at the you time. You are one getting job person. Well, that's that's that comes with those relationships that you 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 get over time, and and people respect you and respect your work ethic, and you keep in touch with people. If you're a good person, people remember you, and it it, it all works yeah. out in the end. So before you talk about the NBA, yeah. I just want to ask you one question about uh, HBO Sports. Okay, did you ever get the chance to have a conversation with Brian Gumble? Uh no. Brian so Real Sports actually came after I left. Okay. But I did come back two other times to work on different other So projects. you was the original Real Sport. I wouldn't say I was. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'll say for you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I never actually got to work with Brian Gumble unfortunately. I definitely would have. Uh, he is chop, the uh, ear off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Ver- passive OG. <laughs> No question, yeah. no question about it. So, from get to the NBA, one of my dudes worked there. I get a, a freelance position 
as a, a in-house producer and editor. I uh, so for the first season I was working, I would create. I created the Martin Luther King Day commercial that aired nationally during the Martin Luther King Day special. I mean, when they have like four or five games. Wow. So yeah. I created that, but then I also created the in-house highlight reel for various teams that they played on their introductions and edited that as well. So in doing all that, and then left before, we go any further, before we go any further, what did that do for you knowing that you're doing something for Dr. Martin Luther King? Like, did that like, did you have like a wow moment, an epiphany? Did you tell your family? Did they look at you like, wow, you're doing it with somebody that we probably saw alive? So the the is is funny because there are probably two two projects that I think touched me the most that I've worked on. One was the Martin Luther King because that was basically me. Like I cut it from the beginning to the end. I found the footage, the the voiceover stuff, whatever we need. I wrote the scripts. I did the whole thing. And even when I left the NBA, they used it for the next two three years. On Martin Luther King, they were still using the same commercial. So I was like, damn, you know. That obviously it fit for what they needed and it, it lasted. But then also, before I left HBO, when I had the, the run-in with the sister, there was a show we did called Journey of the African American Athlete, which covered a hundred years of sports and African Americans' influence and, and their, what they did to the sport to help it flourish. From, from horse racing, because horse racing started with black jockeys and it became such a big thing, white people took it away from black people and made white jockeys now. Sound and black familiar. people now started taking care of the horses. Isn't that where the term cowboy come from? Probably they should tell the boy, go get the cowboy, go get the cowboy. And the, hmm, the, I'm not sure the, about the that. black slave used to hop on this horse uh -huh. and go rattle up the cows. That's interesting. I, I'm not sure about that. I've, I've heard that more than a few times. Like That's where the term cowboy comes from. Hmm. Go get like go get the water boy. Go mm -hmm. get the water boy. Go get the cowboy. That, that, Where's that, the cowboy at? You're the cowboy, so you're the one that goes and tries to get them. That's why when they have their cowboy events, mm -hmm. and they gotta throw the rope around, mm -hmm. whatever. They gotta wrestle down the the bull or the cow, whatever. That's it was a part of it. Hmm, that's There's a lot of things I found out later on in life. Like what? I no, even, yeah, no. Even it's, the term, you know, MF. Yeah. Like a lot of terms, you know, mother her mm -hmm. term later, like, wow, I didn't know that all this time. Yeah. But please continue. No, so Journey African American athletes, like I said, we we followed a hundred years of just what black athletes did in sports, from Jackie Robinson to the the Negro Leagues, um, to the first black black basketball player, uh something Cooper, I forgot his first name. Lloyd, no. Not Lloyd Cooper. I com combined two guys. Boxer. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's Cooper's his first his last name. No, right. He they, I believe they all came out of USC. One went to baseball. Jackie Robinson. Right. Barksdale was the first black. Not basketball player. No, not football. The first black football or first black quarterback went to the Rams, mm -hmm. and another one went to basketball. Uh, yeah, you, 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 you know what? You're right. It, they did all go to USC. Yeah, at the same. that's why USC. A lot I mean, not UCLA that. because 
uh, what you call it, went to the UCLA. Jackie Robinson went to UCLA. Uh, excuse me, UCLA. They all yeah. went to U- and I said USC. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, UCLA. Yeah, yeah. They all. That's why. That's a very. That's a big thing that people don't even realize. They yeah. all came out of UCLA. They all came out of UCLA. Yeah, yeah. So Jackie that UCLA. you know, and then if you even the the Nas Hennessy commercial where he's talking about the black bicyclist. Yeah. Uh, that he was the number one bicyclist in the world. Like, oh, white. not Lance Armstrong? No, no, no. Lance Armstrong ain't got nothing to do with my man uh, Taylor is his last yeah. name. Yeah, if you see the Hennessy commercial. And dude, like, he used to have to battle, you know, again, you know, if we go back, this is in the 10, the 20s, you know, white bicyclists putting their sticks in his That's, that's folks. real. Like, that's real. So he could lose, it's like, teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was. But he and that fall is crazy. You, know, you fall off of a bike. Exactly, exactly. Those spikes. Major, yeah, Major Taylor. Like, and he still prevailed and was like the best bicyclist ever. I think people probably overlooked that because they just looking at Hennessy like, oh well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they they're not really paying attention to what he what Nas is actually talking about because I joined is very very essential. And then it's just in, in all sports we just covered, and so the funny thing was they didn't. HBO didn't put that documentary up for an Emmy Award, which was weird, but then the documentary won an award called the Ace Award, which is bigger than an Emmy. The Ace Award? Yeah. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Okay, like, people thought it was only Emmys, nah, Grammys, the, 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 and No, no, the Ace Award Oscars is, is for, for, for television programming. Uh, it's bigger than the Emmys. It's harder to get an Ace Award than it is to get an Emmy. Hmm. Um, so we won an Ace Award and a couple of other awards with that documentary, and it's to this day one of my, my proudest moments because it was the last thing that I did before I left my first time at HBO, but it was also something that I um, I did more, like I, I gathered the majority of the footage, the, the, the B-roll footage that you guys, that someone would see, I got all that and put it together and created it and helped from beginning to end put it together so it was just so you're the winner of an ace award yeah, i mean i didn't get one but you know but you're part I, of the team big part of the, big part of the that. ace award but yeah absolutely you won the ace award uh, I, I, would, I would roll with that yeah <laughs> i got ace award so wait you was up on this type of uh information early yes yes and, that, and it's very uncommon with many people like whoa I'm in a place like this. I ain't trying to even go that direction because my job, reputation could be on the line. I could be blackballed. You really was, I'm mean, not like you was being ruthless about it, just being honest with things that were just hidden. Right, right. No, absolutely. And the funny thing is, oh. They would have called you conscious back then. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it easier to bring these things out given the situation? It's, it's, for history, it's Martin Luther King and all that kind of stuff. It, wouldn't it have been a little bit easier to, to bring those particular things out during that time? I, or that I, time of the month, I would say? Well, uh, obviously, Martin Luther King was in January, but the, the, the documentary wasn't uh, a February Black History Month type thing. It was, it was a big deal, even for HBO, even though they didn't give it what they really needed to push it like they would any other sports documentary that they really got behind. But the, you know, the work spoke for itself and, and got the accolades that it needed to get. So 
you know, again, I, that was one of the, the best projects I, I've ever worked on. And, and I owe it to the old girl that put me on. Her name is Kendall Reed, who I had to fall out with later. So the, the woman that was sunning you yeah. <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She put me on. She put you, you on, sunned you. cursed me out. I, I got fired or quit at the same time. Then she called me back. She called you back. She called me back to do to work on another documentary with her having a high. How did that position. call go? The call was, you know, it it, it was. I never remember. How did it go? It, how, what did it, you say? Like when she wasn't listening? Well, like, yeah, see, that's I'm, what I'm you need, right? <laughs> nah, I, nah. First of all, you know, I, anytime somebody, it depends on who the person is that you have to fall in love with. You know what I'm saying? And, and I was kind of upset that I had to fall in love with her because she's the one that got me into. HBO and really started my career. So to have a falling out with her was kind of, but before before that call, we had already spoken and, and cleared the air before she called me back. So we had had a conversation and, you know, she explained, you know, what she was going through, you know, with the good old boy network. And I understood it, you know, but, it, and, you know, she appreciated me speaking out to her and not, you know, Cursing her out or whatever. If there was social media at that time, you would have like put on blast. Like, nah, I'm not. And hashtag. No, because if that's hater, the case, hater boss. If then I you wouldn't if, have got the situations later on down no, the road. No, because if that was the case, I was. If if I was a social media person like that, there'd be a lot more stuff that I post that I would be posting <laughs> now that I just don't post because it's you know it it's not worth it for me to get other people involved with my personal. Right. dealings like I got to deal with those you know people handle things differently I just think social media is not the place to handle personal beefs right. I, I stick to uh, uh, OG rules or big homie man woman rules right. about certain things don't need to be right. on the, even if if you put it on it, you get massive likes and massive comments. Now, some things don't need to be. Not exactly. On and, I, and I'm not a person that cares about likes or, or comments or, or repost. I don't, that, all that, you know, that's not what I, what I do. What I do is for me and for, for my life and what I love to do. And the people that I deal with, I like dealing with them. You know, if I got a beef, I'm going to call you and be like, yo, boom, 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 boom. I'm not going to go on social media like, yeah. I've had a beef with this person and they had the, or that's, that's, that's too much. Like, I don't need to hear people's opinions that have no idea of the relationship other than what I'm telling them. That's only one side. That does, that's not even beneficial. So I, I, social media is, is, is the gift and the curse. Right. So uh, NBA. NBA. Left the NBA, uh, went back to ESPN. Why, why did you leave the NBA? Uh, and those were those are the early Stern days, right? These these are definitely yeah. Stern's days. Uh, I didn't leave. So all, all all the all the positions that I've talked about, the real Jersey Nets was I had a freelance position. So freelance gotcha. positions are pretty much yeah, yeah. for the duration of projects, project. right? And right. if they don't have another project for project you, then management, then, yeah, gotcha. exactly. Gotcha. Then you then you're gone. So after the NBA, I actually got another job that ended up being my best job ever was and if you guys remember there was a website called hoopstv.com hoopstv.com was the was, was the first basketball website mm. and it was created by the dudes that created and one so hoopstv.com they covered 
basketball, high school, college, pros, right, overseas, up and come, like everything. So one of my guys was like overseeing the whole thing, and he hired me to run the street ball section of the website which was the most perfect thing in the world for me because I was still playing street ball in New York, but now I was getting information about street ball all over the country. I had shooters in Chicago, shooters in LA, St. Louis, wherever. They would also show this on, was it also, was this on NBC at one point? It was on a network too, it was on a television network too. I think uh, that's where you see people like Speedy and other people from Chicago. Oh, I've actually played that game, but that was completely different than, okay. than yeah. Sorry. HoopsTV.com was just a, a website that, you know, they were ahead of their time because streaming wasn't that easy back then. Right. You sure. know what I'm saying? So yeah, it, it, it definitely was, not. Yeah, so it was hard. You know, we would put videos up and Dying people up. like, yeah, I couldn't see it. It didn't last long. It froze, whatever, whatever. So they real videos. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So no megapixels. Exactly, exactly. So, but I ran the street ball section of that of the website, and we actually created a DVD called Ball Above All uh, through Hoops TV that came out, which was like one of the first highlight to music street ball joints after the And One mixtapes. Mm -hmm. um, so had that job, which was a great job. Left because the company folded, which was unfortunate. They just, and one didn't want to put any more money behind it because it wasn't it wasn't making them money as well. You know, we were finding, like I got, we had footage of Amari Stoudemire in high school. Like this was like guys as they were getting bigger, like Hoops TV covered everything. Um, so in doing that, I got, you know, a lot of these jobs, I got trips to various cities for different events right where i got to meet other people within the industry and and make connections and, and relationships and um in that job i got to go to la for the first time well not for the first time but for the first time in, in, in a working uh in a, in a working area working environment. And, and environment right and then went to magic johnson's weekend magic johnson used to have mm -hmm. these celebrity weekends every year and it was the most amazing thing I had ever been to at that point in my life. Like, he'd have, one night he'd have a jean suit party. The, <laughs> the next night he'd have a swimsuit party. The final night he'll have an all white party. And- What year was this? No, Magic was doing this from- 90? <laughs> from the 80s until he retired. And a couple of years after he retired too. Jeez. Like it was, but when I say I allegedly saw some pictures, <laughs> allegedly, Dude. I mean it's public knowledge. But <laughs> no, no, those those was like he was he was they were having fun. No, it was like it was star studded of like yes, yes, yeah. like you know the the game. I ain't seen nothing crazy, people. No, I ain't seen nothing crazy. <laughs> no, I don't hear. It was the you know it was it put me onto a, a whole different space. Well, like I'm in L.A. meeting women, and they're appreciating. The, the attention that you're giving them as opposed to the West Coast dudes that were out there calling them bitches and, and, and things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, oh, these women are appreciating. And I don't even have to well, work why, that Why do you think is that? I mean, you know, West Coast, you know, at that time was, they were all about disrespecting Bitch. their women and 
Yeah, that was a hundred percent. You know what, what what they what they were used to, and somebody giving them combo and and and, and respecting them was something that they weren't used to and that they enjoyed. So. It spoiled me because when I came back home and then I had to work so hard to talk to women here, I was like, yo, you chicks are freaking spoiled. Like, what is wrong with you? I mean, that's how you get Yeah, not even out. super Don't fresh. Like, I go back to L.A. Go see them West Coast yeah. women. Them West Coast women will make you... Right. It, it was... it was Top choice. Yeah. It was, <laughs> Easy. It was different. It was definitely different. Um, But, you know, so... Left the, I ain't do nothing out here by the way. <laughs> it's hard to go to LA and, and, and be in a relationship because it's it's there for you. It's like being thrown at you. It's, you know, yeah. oh, you got to be as decent. Beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. Be it's decent and respectful. Favorite place. One it, of my many places. people can't even be decent and respectful. Absolutely. It's hard. It, it, it's hard. You, you only, put it this way, it, uh, someone said, you're only as faithful as your options. So, if you got a whole lot of options, it, it, it's harder to be as faithful as the cat that don't have those options. You, you know what I'm saying? So I've been told from a lot of people, like, where are you from? I'm like, from New York. They look around like, you know, are you into any uh, organization? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> they be like, you got a career or a job? I'm like, yeah. You're living here now. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really like that. You're no. Like, you don't understand. It's like that. No, you know, and it's it's a hundred percent. I think I think one of the best things about being, you know, obviously I'm always a New Yorker, a thousand percent. Even though I've lived in LA 15 years now, but growing up in New York, you get a different type of hustle mentality, and that mentality yes. in LA allows you to strive so much more because they're so laid back. And, very laid back. And, yeah, they're very laid back, and they're all about don't trip. Yeah, dude, exactly, don't trip. exactly. So it, it it made me work harder and and create and put myself in positions to get better opportunities. Sometimes with that, and see, truth, we mentioned this before. People, you move to L.A. from mm-hmm. New York. People, or wherever, Texas down south, wherever, people may look at you and have the wrong impression and feel like you're just cocky. You're you rule well, no, I'm I was New York builds you up a certain way right. to know that you could find a way to get whatever you want in a New York minute. Right. Meaning you have to. right away. Because you have you to. You have to. Right. You right. have to. Because right. if you don't, somebody will eat your food. Or right. you just lose an opportunity and they don't stick opportunity doesn't stick around like that. Right. So when you go into certain places, it's very, very relaxed, laid back. You looked upon like something's wrong with you. Like, why do you keep moving around? Yet I believe I was always told movie theaters or companies rather hire you because they feel like you understand about getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. It's embedded in you. Mm-hmm. While people that's from there, from that land, they might not get that same uh, preemptive opportunity. No, no question about it. But the but nepotism is very big in Los Angeles as well. So, and that's another reason why <laughs> people are like because they know they're gonna get it through. Uncle, daddy, auntie, grandmother, whatever, whatever. And I ran into that as well. So when I when Hoops TV folded, I kind of felt I had, you know, and I had done my other two stints at at HBO. I had felt like I had reached the ceiling in New York, and it was time for me to go to LA. You know, I had a couple of relationships, friendships that I created, and let me go out there and see what it was. But what really pushed me out there is I had an idea for a video game. And 
I was pitching the idea and to to a company Midway. Midway, Midway. yeah, Midway. Did Midway. Well, are they? Somebody might have bought them by now. Yes, somebody purchased yeah, them. But well, they were huge. No, Midway was huge. Yeah, Capcom, Midway. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And Konami, like Konami yeah, yeah. Was big. Yeah, so those are like yeah, people. This is before PlayStation. Yeah, this they is, did a Tecmo Bowl and all yeah, those yeah, things. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So Midway and Acclaim. Acclaim. Yeah, yeah. I had pitched company. this idea to, and Acclaim bit <laughs> to the point where lawyers started reaching out to me and trying to figure out wow percentages and shit like that. And I was oh, like, wait wow. a minute, like this is real. I got to move to LA. Like my life is about to change. I'm moving to LA. Moved to LA. Everything's still going well with the video game. Then all of a sudden, the brass at the at a claim changes. The dudes I was working with got fired or quit or they're gone. And the new brass don't want to have anything to do with wow. the idea. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you're joking, right? Like, like we were talking dollars and cents. How does it just stop, just like that? Like that doesn't even make any sense to me. It's a call from up, up above. My man, I was so sick. I was so sick at that. So, was ready to to come back to to New York. And uh, my guy that used to work that hired me for Hoops TV was now at ESPN at a higher position. And I've now started producing on a show called ESPN Hollywood, which was the entertainment tonight for athletes to show what they did wow. off the court, off the field, as regular people, whether it was uh, you know one of their charities or whatever, their give back, whatever it was, showing them as regular people. So Mario Lopez and... Uh, Thea Vidal were the host. Mario we, Lopez. Yeah. Wow. Saved Thea by the bell. Yeah. Oh. That was, Thea, Thea's a comedian, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Thea's not a comedian. No, no, no. you thinking of, oh, yeah, I know you're thinking of. That's not her. No, no. It's uh, unless, unless I said her last name wrong. Um, but um, so this was Mario's first hosting gig. Whenever I see Mario, I tease him all the time. Like, yo, you know. Do you act in those dance moves? No, man. <laughs> dance move. People still like to see his dance move, like his famous dance move. Like that's not even hot. It's not. It's, it's no, no, no. <laughs> that's hysterical. But I tell him, I was like, "Yo, you know, I'm responsible for you having this career in in as hosting." And he laughs all the time. But that was his first gig. So that show lasted about a year and a half because my dude, who was like a senior vice president, and his boss left. ESPN and to oversee Six Flags. Wow, which is part of which Great Adventures is part of them. All these yeah. theme parks is right. wow. exactly. And then the new brass came in and was like, "Yeah, we don't want to have nothing to do with this show. We deaden this show." <laughs> so I'm like, "All right, this is happening again. This is, this is BS." But during that time, I actually. So we, we, we sometimes we combine athletes with celebrities depending on what their movies were, if they had a sports theme or something in it. This is when the first time Space I actually Jam. met uh, Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon. So he, he, was, he had a movie that he did that had like a, bas it, wasn't, it wasn't the detective one, he had another one with a basketball uh, theme in it with Forrest Whitaker and I was connected to him. Was in that? No, no, she wasn't in that one. She's not in that one. 
Um, this joint, I think I want to say, is called Easy Money, but that sounds like a pool movie. But it has something to do with money. But it and it had a basketball part in it, so we connected him with somebody to help promote the movie. That's when I met him, and my boy Blue Williams, who used to manage Outcast. That's now everything connected. That's right. Shout out to Blue Williams. I still think Kennedy High School. You still have overage Dominicans <laughs> playing against the Truman High School. There's no way we could win against men. Okay? Like, I went to Kennedy, though. You know, we know Blue. <laughs> Truman at Mustangs playing Kennedy High School football players. He dudes is men. <laughs> you are boys. <laughs> That's why they always winning. Yeah, you are men. Yeah, Allegedly. Very true. Shout out to Blue, though. But so he, Bronx native. Yeah, absolutely. So he was managing Nick's music career at the time, and I hung out with them uh, on a, a, a radio tour thing that they were doing, and Nick was about to put out a new single and asked Blue to ask me if I would become his road manager. And I'm like, uh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> like, why would I do that? Like, I'm a television producer. Like, I don't, I don't even know none of his music other than Gigolo. And that's one of my favorite songs from him. No, no, it, it definitely was. I was like, but other than that, I don't know what he musically what he does. Like, I, doesn't make and sense. Are you to a me. dime? I like Are You a Dime. Well, that was the tour we were going on. Oh, okay. Ball Don't Lie. Before. That was the movie. Ball Don't Lie. No, no, no. Oh, that's that's a different one. My my boy actually wrote that and put him in it. But it was before Ball Don't Lie. It was another one with Forrest Whitaker, I think, was in it as well. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm, I was ready to move back to New York. It's better than unemployment. I'll try it. Go out on a tour to help promote Dying Peace. And to get at you, it was even money. Even money. That's it. Yeah, even money. That's what it is. Even money. So we go on a tour to help promote Dying Peace. That was his new single. And um, I got to actually get to know him and found out he's actually a smart dude. Like he knew the history of hip hop, which, you know, being from New York, I'm gonna test you if you think <laughs> you really know about hip hop. Uh-huh. And he knew, you know, he knew about Wild Style, the movie, like he right. knew, you know, he knew about hip hop. And he's from Southeast San Diego. Right, and I think San his Diego. father was actually involved you know, and just stuff like that too, and pass it down to him. Yeah, his his, his pops was uh, originally he was uh, yeah uh, uh, involved side. in the gangs, yeah. and then he turned preacher, yeah, um, evangelist, and um, so that's why he gets passes. Yeah, exactly. like a lot of people don't know. Like you might look at him like you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. He's he gets, loved by a lot of people. Right, right, right. And so he's also a stand up man too. So that's how I met him, and then from that tour, he sat me aside. I was like, "Yo, you know, I produce a lot of other different TV shows. I'd love for you to stay on, and we'll produce shows together. You know, and be my right hand man, whatever." And I was like, "All right, cool." And, and and then that, you know, that was the relationship that lasted for about twelve and a half years. Um, and you know, we produced the uh, Son of a Gun on MTV, the right. Corey Guns. Uh, reality Shout show. Shout out to Peter Guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was, when he was trying to tell him to sign, not to sign with, with Young Money. Yeah, Young Money. Yeah, and be Shelf Life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we we tried to tell him that too. And he could have been with Incredible. 
Yeah, we we definitely he would have been wilding out money. You could have been a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And what was what, what our point was, but he, you know, nah, it's hard like to tell Wayne. him Wayne is coming out of jail and like he's putting Wayne. you on his new single out of jail, and then it's hard to you know go up against that. So you know, I, we understood it, but it was MTV to it's me messed that up. Uh, they messed up that show. There were things in what that, way in in the direction that they took it. Like, of course, the managerial fight was was definitely a, a big part of it. Um, but there were other parts that we wanted to cover that they didn't. Like what? Uh, like the, the internal beef when you have the dudes that have been there from the beginning and then new yes men come in and, and try to infiltrate. And, and, and Exactly. So there was a big thing happening there that they didn't understand and they didn't want to cover. And I was like, yo, y'all are bugging. Like, there's this new dude who's driving Corey around everywhere who's a yes man and then his Corey's cousin and his right hand dude that don't fuck with that dude and y'all are okay with not covering that. Were they uh, against his father being more around him? No, they actually wanted him more involved. They wanted him more involved. They wanted to play that up as well because his father had the relationship with uh, the lawyer. God bless, okay. he passed away, uh, Ed. Um, so, but then they also, there was another part that, again, I wanted them to cover because Nick and I were the executive producers of it. So I was like, all right, so your biggest show on MTV at this time is a show that I hate because I think it perpetuates young kids to have sex is uh, teenage Teen and pregnant, 16, whatever that's right. Yeah. Like I hate that show. Still comes on. Yeah. It's their number one show. And Still I, comes on. And, they, and I hate it because I think it perpetuates young kids to have. I said, do you understand that if a little girl watches your network, they see this, they want to have a, and they want to be on TV. They say, yeah, I can have a kid and be on TV. Not, no, I shouldn't have a kid because these bad things are going to happen. That's not how they're going to think. They fly me to the state, to the exactly. studio. I got a car service. Exactly. So, And and not to mention, you for people out there that if you never worked in production before, take your time and listen to the jingles, mm -hmm. the lights, if it's lights are really bright, nice, the jingles are really soothing, they're really trying to conform you thinking that this is okay to do, this is the thing to do. Mm -hmm. Forget about school, because then you say, you know, my child's father, he ain't this, he ain't that. Be a man, I can't. I'm 16, Right. I'm a boy. <laughs> I gotta go to geometry, like, <laughs> yeah, what like, you talking about. So now it's all on you. No, and that's exactly so. What and the reason why I felt that was another part that could have Corey's younger sister was like seventeen and just had a kid, and then Corey had just had twins. So I wanted to play into that, you know, mm -hmm. because that was something that their father did had had them at at a young age as well, and you know it was repeating itself. So I wanted to go into that as well as one of the B or C stories. They nixed both of those and. Wonder why. Because they're dumb. And at that point, Nick had checked out. Like, yo, because when, when Nick has an idea and it's going and then MTV or anybody goes away from what his thought process is, he checks out. So now I had to be there to make sure that it still happened. And then I had to insert myself to actually be on camera because I knew if I didn't go on camera, Nick wouldn't go on camera anymore. Right. And we wouldn't have a show. So I had to go on camera now. and, and Not for nothing. Everybody out there, I was home. When I saw that, I was like, yo, 
I was so happy. I was like, yo, no, we on TV. We on TV. It's like, how? It's my neighborhood. I was like, amps. I was just amp. We was playing football. Oh, we made it. You know, yeah. we, we go into the store and get pat and cocoa bread, but you know, just, well, we feel like we made it. <laughs> no, it definitely it was. It was definitely for Gunther. 100%. So it was. It was inspiration. It no. was very. It's a big inspiration for no, us around it, the neighborhood. No, I appreciate that, and, and you know it. You know, it ended up going with the way it went. Didn't get a second season. A lot of people wanted it to have a second season, but you know, the numbers weren't weren't good enough. And again, I blame the MTV brass that they had working with us on that. Um, and then, you know, so been with Nick for twelve and a half years. Been producing on on Wild and Out the last so, six, oh. seven seasons. So, how did he go from that to mm -hmm. actually getting his own venture as far as the whole Wild and Out situation? How did that come to be? So, he was doing Wild and Out before I got with him. He had already done two seasons. So he created Wild and Out on his own money. He went and shot. Wow. Yeah, he went his own money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to a club. Rented out a club, got with some of his comedian friends, Kevin Hart, Cat uh, Williams, uh, D-Ray Davis, right. all Kevin's. these guys, because they all did stand-up in L.A. They said, yo, I'm going to create a, a show for you guys to all be on where we just play improv comedy games and and shoot it and get it on Wild and on, on MTV. So he shot it himself, sent the, got the pilot to MTV, MTV loved it. And then it became, you know, what it became and was on, you know, for four seasons. Then we went away for like two years. Then right. came back on MTV2 for about three seasons. Then MTV. Yeah, because they had no space because you got, you know, pregnant at 16. Right. So. they their number one show. <laughs> and so they, they needed to build up MTV2 because there right, was nothing right. on that channel. At that time, exactly. But and, syndicated things that they could get for the cheap. Exactly, exactly. So when we disappeared for two years, he also... That's when he had gotten married to Mariah. So he was in a whole different mindset. How'd you feel about that? It, well, I didn't know Mariah. So it was it was like, you know, it was off the back end of him being uh, uh, engaged to Salida Ebanks, mm -hmm. which was the Victoria's Secret model that he uh, proposed to in Times Square that I set up the whole thing. <laughs> You really on production. No, I, I, and yeah. work life man, and just front yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I tell people all the time, y'all need to read credits. Y'all gotta learn how to read credits, and y'all understand the game a lot better. Um, so the Mariah thing happened so fast. Like we went to go shoot a music video that she wanted to put him in and let him direct. And I remember on the way there, he's like, yo, don't let me get sucked up into this, yo. I got to stay strong. I just got out of a relationship and being engaged, and I don't want to do it again. I got you, my dude. I got you. <laughs> you know? And then, you know, from the outside, you know, you don't know Mariah. You don't even know Mariah Carey as this super-duper diva, and you don't know who she is. So we go shoot the video, start hanging out. She knows me, knows my name, like likes me. We were talking, whatever, whatever. So you had a first. <laughs> no, get out of here, man. <laughs> no, saying, yeah. But but we Mariah and I connected because we're both from New York. And when I found out, you'll you'll never like I, I can let you guys guess all that. You'll never guess what her number one hip hop rap record is. And she knows all the lyrics. 
Rappers Delight. <laughs> no. Like hardcore. Mob Deep shook once. That was close, but no. That's, oh, it, then it has to be Ghostface. And, uh, it's, not, it's not the Ghostface. It's actually not. An, it's actually Annie Up. <laughs> a lot of people, yeah, I, I can understand because that's the take off your MOP, corporate, yeah. your corporate mask. No, but to to sit back and see it playing and see her recite every lyric, and when the, the Remy Ma part comes on and she gets so hyped, and I'm like, yo, who is this girl? Like, <laughs> this isn't the chick that I've seen on TV all these years. Like, it's thermal sound waves. We here <laughs> live in studio talking to Dorian Graham, businessman, talking about Barack Harry. Singing the lyrics word for word to Annie Up by MOP. Hit us up, thermosignwaves at gmail.com, hey. thermosignwaves.com, 347-454-1278, Track Life Radio, WLGK, Logic Radio, Chicago, Worldwide. We here. So, you know, she shocked you with Annie Up. Yeah, she, like, we, we connected from that point did, on. Did she kind of like make a move on you like? I mean, was she, she that amp? Look at your jewels. Yeah, yeah. Like she looked at you like, like <laughs> run her, that. her girl was like, "Run that!" I run was that. like, "What? <laughs> run that!" Like, who are you talking to? Yo, I've, I've seen some, some, some certain songs. I've seen some people you wouldn't believe spaz out. Mob Deep shook ones. Yeah, yeah. Ghostface. Uh, his his track, uh, "Mighty Healthy." Uh huh. Uh huh. No. Like, and Andy up use. And even Bobby Smurda. Right. Ninja. Nigga. I've seen people just like. Just spaz out. Yeah. Like the and which part of New York is she from again? She's from Long Island. She's from the island? Okay. Yeah, she's from Long Island. Oh, that's how she got that hookup. What, what city? What city out there? You know? Uh, remember? I forget what city she's from. I forget what, what city she's from. But she's definitely from Long Island. Brentwood. Nah, nah, nah. nah she, well, she, ain't like from, nah she ain't from the, the, the ritzy part. That's not Ritzy. Oh, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, she, yeah, she ain't from Roosevelt. That I know. She ain't from Amityville. She would have had a she would have had a Murphy baby a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Exactly. So you got Nick Cannon caught up and engaged to Mariah Carey. <laughs> well, after he told you not hold to. Me down, hold me down. Hold me down. Hold me down. All right, son. Dorian, hold me down. Oh, I got, got you. Me. Yeah, yeah, got no, me. I definitely told yeah, her I had later. her. But then. Twins it, and a lawsuit. It was Mariah, and I was like, well, damn, son. Like, what do you do? And he was trying to date her and date this other woman that he was dating at the same time. And I was like, my man, there's no way you can date. Mariah and this high-profile woman at the same time, like that's not. Shout to trying though. No, he first of all, he's a beast. If you if you really look back at his record of females that he's been with, yeah. it's ridiculous. I've seen how like people like Christina Milian used to look at him a certain way when he was just they were just talking on the TV. She would just look at him like they say like cameras off, we're going to the back. Like she no, would have he, that look on her face. No, he 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 they. Put this way, one of my boys, right, used to tell me that they were, you know, he he's in the music industry and, you know, he rock he used to work with Puff, hang with Jay, all these people. He said, yo, they've had conversations about how is Nick Cannon getting all these women? Allegedly, people. It's just allegedly. Like I I'm not saying that those were the ones, but he, you know, he used to work for Puff and they all the people used to hang out. They used to have conversations about how is Nick Cannon getting all these women? 
Like no one understood how, because not like he had more money than them or whatever. He but was funny and he was safe. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> funny what it is. And, safe. And, he, and he and he and he loves women. Like so, he treats the women like queens. So you know that's that's how he always got them. Like he that that, that was his gift. That's definitely one of his gifts, being able to get women that most guys can only dream about getting. And you couldn't shield them from Mariah. <laughs> let the gift rip. I mean, how, 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 how do you rip. tell them no? Like, Mariah's been, you, girls like how do you tell them no? Nah, I don't highlight Mariah. Like, that's Mariah Carey. You, you'll see. I could have got a call. Like, even at this interview, like, yo, y'all want to go hang out with us and, you know, and the girls? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. But now nah, he got it with Mariah. So he all, no, nah, I'm cool. He, he was cool. Two years. He, was, he chilled out. Right, 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 right. And, right. and, and, and no, wilding out went away and he focused on his family and started putting business plans together. People didn't know what he, what he was doing and then came back. You know, came the chairman of Teen Nickelodeon. Nice. Uh, got the job with America's Got Talent. Right. Uh, we that he he was like, I don't need this. And he left. Like, because they were trying to send him. He was yeah. like, y'all don't understand who I am. <laughs> like, they definitely, they definitely, they they came to fire him. They had right. already said he was going to be fired, and we're just waiting for the big boss to okay the firing. They went to Nick's team and told Nick. And then Nick's team came to us and told us that. And Nick was pissed. And and he asked me, he was like, yo, what do you what do you think I should do? And I was like, yo, I'm gonna tell you like this. I don't know your finances. Only you know those. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me if you left America's Got Talent and you'd be okay with, with what you do now and other stuff that you'll get to be all right and continue to live how you live. Tell them to go to hell as a man because there's no reason for you to go back to somebody after they wanted to fire you. Like, why would you go put yourself in that type of environment? So the big head at NBC said, you guys are crazy. We're not firing that can. You guys got to go fix this. And they couldn't fix it. Now, I would get calls from everybody. Wow. I got calls from Simon so, Cowell. Like, wow. From Simon? Yes, yeah, Simon called me like, you're close like, to him. How do you Dorian? Can we fix, yeah. Can, Dorian. Can we fix this? In it. Can we fix it in it? Is there anything? What can we do? How much money? I was like, it's Call not Nick about Kenham the money. The telly. It's not about money. We said, well, can I talk to him? I was like, I'll, I'll ask him, but you gotta understand that it's <laughs> not about money. It's bigger than money. Like it's like as I'm not gonna go somewhere where somebody said I was fired. And then they got to go back because their boss told them they can't fire me, but I still have to work under them. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why would I want to put myself in that situation? Unless they were saying seeing he's fired to see what kind of man he is, and then they could feel like they could own him and tag him on. And they was like, oh, right, he really about that life. No, no, see, I didn't was going to fire him. Yeah, yeah, it was too late. So he, he, you know, and then he wrote his little Facebook post, and he was out. He was like, you know, he got rid of his agents because they did, he didn't think they handled it well, and he was... You know, starting to restructure stuff, and 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 I was like, yo, whatever you want to do, I don't, I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's bigger than money. It's always gonna be bigger than money. You still got to be a man at the end of the day. And and you know, when he did that, that was a a big thing. You know, a lot of people felt like you know, the people that didn't know felt like, yo, you turned down all that money, and obviously, you know, it, it's a it's a large sum of money to turn down, just like Dave Chappelle did, but. 
your sanity and your your, your humanity and it's being a, a man is so much more than that. And a lot of people don't. And applaud to Nick like Cannon. That. Absolutely. Applaud to him for that because, you know, Nick, people looked at him and they had thought he was crazy. He's wearing a turban. What do you think he is? But Dude from uh, Johnny, not Johnny, yeah, Johnny, Johnny Quest. Quest. People's. <laughs> Simpson Salabim, stupid dude, and like, nah, he he was more stand up than most other people. But he was playing the long game. Right. He was putting down a hundred dollars on himself. Right. When when he knew that that was gonna become like a hundred million. Invested right. in himself. Exactly. In himself. Exactly. Without yeah. all these other people who were saying, "Oh, we gonna fire you." It's right. Like, nah. Exactly. <laughs> and and you know his 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 problem with his agency, he was like, "Look, so you guys, who was he with CAA? He was with uh, no, he's with CAA now." He was with uh, ICM. I see, okay. And he was like, you guys handle this wrong. You guys act like I'm only a, a, a host. Like, that that place defined me. That Like, I create stuff all the time, and I'll continue to create stuff and make more money. I don't need that job to, to, to define me because that's not who I am. That's something I did because I liked doing it, and it was fun, and it paid a lot of bills, but... That's not who I am as a as an individual, as a comedian, as a, a artist, whatever, everything else that I do. So I didn't like how you guys handled it. I don't want to work with you guys no more. And I'm going to start focusing more because now I got more time to do the stuff that I always want to do. But I couldn't do it because America's Got Talent tied up so much of my time. So that happened. Uh, and then, you know, we did a lot more. We started shooting Wildin' Out like two, three times a year. In Brooklyn, we started yeah. shooting it. Um, then we took it to Atlanta, and then as of August second, I no longer work with him. I we we parted ways because the position uh, wasn't needed anymore, from what I was told, which doesn't make sense. But that's you know, it ain't it ain't for me to decide, and I'm not due to question whether or not somebody wants me to work for them anymore. So. You know, it's, it's, it's all love, but that, that ended, and now I'm out pitching three different show Adventures. ideas to Netflix right. and, and a couple of other uh, uh, networks. It's Thermal Sound Waves, the natural alternative to fast food radio, track life radio, WLGK Logic Radio, Chicago, and uh -huh. worldwide. We're talking to Mr. Dorian Graham. We'll see you with us live in the studio. Call us 347-454-1278. Email us thermalsoundwaves at gmail.com. Before we talk about your new ventures real quick, what were some of the things that you enjoyed when you were working with with Nick and some of the things that you learned through that that you're taking with you now going forward? Um, I mean, it definitely opened up, uh, working with him opened up my eyes to uh, the, the, the level of respect and to me, a level of disrespect that, that that industry has because there was a problem within his camp that I used to always talk to him about because I, you know, I just never bit my tongue about anything where I felt that his team was, uh, when people came to him for opportunities, they came to him and his team took it as he should be happy taking those positions you know, because they, you know, they're paying a black kid X amount of dollars mm -hmm. to do X, Y, Z. Not the fact that they really want him because of his talent. Talent. And that was a, a problem that I had always had, and I spoke about to him. 
numerous times and, and you know, he took it to heart and used to go back and talk to the rest of the team about it. Um, so they, so, they got to get you out of there. Yeah, no, that, that was part of the reason why I'm going is it was a collective effort of, of yeah, we, you don't really need him. Somebody's the, the Jedi mind trick on you. He's like, well, maybe I don't. And, you yeah, know, yeah. That, that's how it, it happened. But, you know, from, it, it is what it is. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, yeah, that's, you know, that's passed. Yeah, that, that's definitely passed. But it, the, the game, but it also, I, I nurtured a lot of relationships through him. I had my own before that. And then, it, you know, got more while I was working with him. And, and one of the things that I always prided myself on, I used to tell the new people that came in on his team, and that one thing you guys have to understand is, I was Dorian way before I started working with Nick. Like, and that was part of the reason why Nick hired me because he saw that I had my own relationships. I was my own person. I was my own producer. I was doing things already that I could help him. You know what I'm saying? In the long run, so you know it. It we we both benefited. Over the 12 and a half years, uh, it created a, an, an amazing uh, working relationship as well as friendship. And, and you know, in the, in the long run, we will both continue to prosper. And, and, you know, if we if it's meant for us to work together in another capacity, you know, it'll happen. If not, it's, it's, it's all gravy than me at this point. Exactly. So they've still got it. Yeah. Like what said, is that? Legend in two games. <laughs> right. It, it was a mentioned this game, production game, might have been long, but it's not great information needed now. Here goes the other game. So so they've still got it. So in 90, 92 when I went to H, when I worked at HBO, I had already been playing in the Rucker League since like eighty eight. Now for people that don't know, explain what Rucker yeah. League is. So to the masses, there's a, a basketball league in Rucker Park, which is like the most famous outdoor park in the country um, that started like in the 60s with Holcomb Rucker. By the time I started playing with it, it playing in the league, it had changed over and it was considered the entertainer's basketball classic. E- it was, yeah, the EBC, C- it became, like, you know, another team of people came in and started doing it in this park. Um, but the the title EBC wasn't nobody cared about it because the dude that ran it at the time, uh, you know, only commissioner that they had been until he passed away. He passed recently. away, right? Yeah, a couple of years yeah. ago. Uh, Greg Marius, he was happy with the money he was making every summer. He didn't really care about you know creating a, a brand at the beginning. So while I'm at HBO, I tell Greg, I'm like, Greg. You you should be taping these games because I don't think you understand what you have here. Like these games are like companies pay future classes. Yeah, companies pay for footage. You become a footage house, and companies pay for the uses of your footage. Shout out to Video Music Box and Ralph McDaniel's documentary. Exactly, and and if you start like you have. These games are the most amazing things that anybody would ever see. And by the time he really caught on and other people had convinced him to really do it, it was past the prime of what it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it was mid-90s, late-90s. You know, he started taping games and stuff. And, you know, it was still great, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't, it missed, like, those five, six years before where the games, 
were so it, the the league itself is so was so crazy. Like we would have games and we wouldn't have a ref, and Greg would pull two of his guys that work with him to ref the game, and because two of the teams that are playing were ran by drug dealers and they had a big bet on the game. Now, people out there, I, I, we want you to understand for a reference movie, a reference film, look at the film Above the Rim. Right. Yep. Which you had a... I, I, I was one of the players in Above the Rim. I, I, oh, which I, one were you? I was, I, was on, I was only in the background on, like, on a layup line one time because I actually was working at HBO at the time, so I couldn't. <laughs> they took my position. Always I was supposed working. to be on Speedy's team, but because I had to go to work, they, they gave it to somebody else because I wasn't there to do it. So they just gave me a background scene like in the, in the, in the tent going back and forth and on a layup line or whatever the case may be. Like, so. That movie right there represents the essence of this ball. Basketball, you're talking about some people know that's street ball, right? If you want to call it, that's what it's about. And I remember the first time in the 90s, just going with my family places and just seeing certain people, and people had a name, right? Like, there's a guy named Master Rob. Mm -hmm. Who's Master Rob? And you would travel to go and watch him play. There was people named Speedy, you know, people named Skip Tamalu, which is. Also, yeah. Ray for Olsen mm -hmm. that played Toronto Raptors. And I think he was Houston one of them. as well. Yes, he was. People loved him because they they saw where he came from, and mm -hmm. he went to the NBA, which mm -hmm. he deserved. He he was the last the last streetball dude to really make it to the NBA. Yeah, and you've heard of people like Pee Wee Kirkland. You know, there's so many names like and Johnny Quest. I think there's a guy named Johnny Quest. No, there wasn't a dude named Johnny Quest. The guy I saw, I met him before. I mean, he might not have been the big but Really? Yeah. Uh, Puerto Rican gentleman. Really? Johnny, yeah, Johnny Quest. Quest? I don't remember yeah. Johnny Quest. Really, really, really light skin. Johnny really? Quest. Yeah, so I'm playing Harlem before. Oh, okay. And there's other guys, and it just, who was the guy that used to, he used to say something about his mama, his grandmother, and he used to throw him a wig. He used to put a wig on his head, and he used to like just do a, a move on you and just break your ankles. Uh -uh. Somebody threw him a wig from the sideline. Really? A gray old Ladies wig and he That's just funny. I mean it's it's very possible because I, I, I mean obviously being a player, I didn't see every game and there's so many stories you hear after the fact. So it's he very doesn't possible. move like an old lady that he just like it's so many people were so popular from this that it, it brought uh it was overpopulated of fans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, and and the, the biggest thing I, I talk about when we talk about street ball is that we had 3,000 people out in the park in the summer with no NBA players. Like, we were all from the five boroughs. And people came out to watch all us cars. play. Yeah. Not just double parked, triple parked. Triple parked cars. Like, people outside selling, you know, Kid Capri outside selling mixtapes from his trunk of his car right there on 8th Avenue next to the dude selling hot sausages, next to the, the lady selling nutcrackers. You know up what I'm the saying? Block. The next, oh, next up the to block the, from Willie's Burgers. Exactly. <laughs> next, next to the, the other lady selling tube socks. Like it was all there. It was a whole experience. People, that, people are actually climbing the fence just to hang on top of the fence, just so they could see. Yeah. It was a production so greatly that 
NBA players was like, listen, I'm off I'm off season right now. I need to see this. Right, right. So what happened was with that is, so the NBA players used to come back out in the 60s and the 70s. Will Chamberlain, Earl of Pearl Monroe, Willis Reed, like those guys would come out and play when it was the Rucker League. Then it died down. Then the EBC came. And we didn't have any NBA players except for the dudes that were high school and college All-Americans that made it to the NBA, but then they didn't come back after that. Like Jamal Mashburn, mm. you know, he, he- Was he from the Polo Browns? He's from the Polo Browns. Yeah. Browns. Yeah, so he Which played- Which is in all. He played, you know, throughout his high school and, and a couple of years in college, but then once he went to the league, he didn't come back and play again. He went to Dallas Mavericks. He went, yeah, he was drafted he, by the Dallas. The Triple J Ranch. Jamal mm-hmm. Mashburn, Jimmy Jackson, Jimmy Jackson and Jimmy Jackson. And Jimmy Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, so obviously I was engulfed in in, in that the the basketball, street basketball world and playing at Rucker Park was to me the at the time like the most amazing thing I had ever witnessed. Like playing in college didn't matter. Playing playing on TV, you know, with Speedy for the ABC against Chicago and the didn't, I mean, only reason that compared because we were playing in Rucker Park, so we were home. But playing in that league was like, it, it was, you never can witness playing where people are on top of you and you can hear everything that they're saying and you're like, you're, you're paying attention to the audience. As a player, you block out the audience most of the time. But because they're right on top, like there's no out of bounds line because there's so many people right. standing on the court, and it's just the the love that you get from it and and the accolades. If you're a good player, it was like the most amazing. You was a superstar. Thing. Yeah, it, it you was, was a ghetto Superman, a ghetto like, superstar. And unless the, you get the, the the best dunk or the, or the last point nah, to it, win, it's like you could you could. Die after that, be like I died a happy man. No, like it was, it was, it was a, a, a time period that was so crazy. Obviously, you know, as it grew, it became bigger to the masses. But as as a player that played it when it wasn't big to the masses, it lost a lot of the sex appeal when the masses started becoming a, a big part of it, and money became a part of it. That you know, yeah, the drug dealers were gone, and there were corporate sponsors, but Mountain Dew, yeah, but all that corporate money wasn't being divvied out evenly to the teams and the and players. And rest to Escalade. Yeah, exactly. Escalade was, was a player there as well. And so, you know, the game had changed. Um, you know, NBA players started coming, which was great, you know, for the competition. You know, we, we loved playing against them. And But what happened for me was I moved to L.A. in 2003-04, right? And that was at the height of AM1 and their traveling team and being on ESPN and everything. So I'm in LA playing in a, a pickup, uh, playing pickup ball with some people, you know, just meeting them. And they, you know, conversation of AM1 comes up and they talk about, yeah, your, your, your New York players. I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, you AM1 New York players. I was like, first of all, <laughs> that's not how we play basketball. Like the top five players that are from New York. Uh, they're good players, but they're not even the best players from New York. That's not how we play. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are bugging. So what I ended up doing was I ended up, because I wasn't working at the time, I ended up creating a DVD called Asphalt Phenoms, The Lost Years. Asphalt Phenoms of New York City, The Lost Years, to pay homage, to talk about 
the history of New York City's basketball from the 80s to the 2000s and created a DVD and, and didn't do it for money, put it out there and it became successful because they bootlegged it. And I heard it, a lot of people got it in New York and I know I didn't sell it to them. So <laughs> it got bootlegged, but it was cool. And then now I put it up on, on uh, YouTube and you can go watch it on YouTube now. It's like 43 minutes and it just talks about the history of playing basketball in New York City during the, the late 80s, 90s and the early 2000s and what it really was about before it became a commercial success. There was uh, also like great people like people used to know Sham God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he went to when he went to Providence. Yeah. Like, that's to some people that's the first time they've even heard of a city named Providence, Rhode Island. Like, right. Sham right. God went there. Like in a name like that, Sham God. Like right. I was like, wow, Sham God. Never heard that name before. Right. And then there was also another great guy on there named the Black Stallion. <laughs> Yeah, right. Which is <laughs> which, which, AKA Dorian yeah, Graham, yeah, the Black that, Stallion. The, the, that's yeah. The funny part about that is, I like I. So how I got that name is I hadn't I didn't have a name yet. They used to try to figure out a name for me. You know, I didn't. I wasn't you know a prolific scorer. You know, I was a great defender. You know, I block a lot of shots and dunk and all that. So they couldn't figure out. Then one day Duke Tango and Al Cash just came up with the black style and they said because obviously because I was black as hell, but <laughs> also because I just ran the court. Like I ran constantly. So it's just called me the black stallion and and, and black gram and it, and, it, and it stuck. And that's the that's the funniest thing about nicknames back in the days, not so much now, is when they gave it to you, it actually stuck with us for like the rest of our lives. Like Skip to my Lou, like people in the NBA know who Skip to my Lou is. They know who the they're, bone collector yeah, is. Yeah, they're kids that know who Skip to my Lou is. But then if I ask them who's Rafe or Austin, they have no yeah, idea right, who exactly. that is. Yep. You understand what I'm saying? Like yep. the street ball, and you would never, no, you didn't think when you got a street ball name that that would be to help define who you are later on in life, and people will remember you by that name. And and when I really realized it was. The name thing and street ball was a big thing. I was coming home because I went to Lehman College and I was coming home from a game. Shout to Lehman College. The other high school football team that used to use grown men to play us in football. Thanks. That was Lehman High School, but I went to Lehman College. I mean, Lehman High School, but still, (laughs) just Lehman. It was Lehman either way. It was tragic for us in football. (laughs) Obviously, it still affects you. But, uh, so one day I was coming home from a game on the train and somebody said, yo, Graham, what's happening? And I said, yo, what's happening? I'm looking at him. I was like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> you know, you try to remember people. You don't want to be disrespectful. And I get off the train. I'm like, yo, I don't really know this. He said, yo, you made me a lot of money last summer. And I was like, made you a lot of money last summer. Wow. I was like, oh, he must have seen me play at 55th. I was like, yo, what do you mean? I made you last said, yo, we be betting. How many blocks you get? How many dunks you get on the side? And you made me a lot of money last year. And I was like, "Word, oh snap!" I had, you know, I had no idea that all this is happening. So it, I was like, "Damn, it's you guys are really serious. The fans are really serious about the game, and they be betting and all that." And so it it was it was like again, it was the best thing I had ever done, and my path to actually playing was so different than everybody else's that were, you know, all city in New York and and everything. I I didn't. I wasn't that route. Like I didn't play 
high school ball to my senior year. Then Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went to a HBCU. I went to Norfolk State for a year because my Norfolk cousin State. my cousin went Shot there. She Norfolk didn't State. want to go by herself. So I just I wonder why. So I just shout out to the Tidewater crew, Little Creek Road. Exactly. Shout it. You know, shout out everybody that went to Hampton University. So that first year, they looked at the bills. <laughs> like you know, I'm going Norfolk State. I'm taking my talents down to Hampton Bros. Because <laughs> boom, no, that, it, it was it was boom. serious. So I, I went. You know, I didn't. They didn't recruit me or anything. I just went and actually made it to the last cut as a walk on. And then the coach told me, he said, you know, you know, if you make it next year, you're playing behind a guy that's a year younger than you, older than you, so you'll probably sit for the most of the time for your first two to three years. And I was like, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. I'll go home. I, there were schools that actually recruited me back home. I'll go home and play and then, you know, deal with it that way. And that's how I ended up at Lehman. But then how I ended up playing at Rucker, we used to go to the games to watch the games, and I wasn't on a team. And I, we would go early enough where I would play pickup before the games, right? hoping someone saw me and would say, yo, come play with us on our team. That never happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, to it, show was, the it, it was a good idea, but it never happened. So on the weekends, we would play pickup at Lehman. You know, guys would come from all over. And the twins, Derek and Dexter Gardner, um, Used to, you know, I went to high school with Derek, God bless, he died in a car accident, and then Dexter went to Morris, and then they both used to come play at Lehman on the weekends. And so he's Dorian, you, we can put you on the team at Rucker, like, come with us. And I was like, oh, bet, like, I've been dying to play, like, blah, blah, blah. So I go out there, and they're like, yeah, the dude said he got everybody, like, he can't, he can't put nobody else down. I was like, damn, man, like, again, I'm not, how am I gonna get on the team? And ironically, as I was, Stand and get ready to leave. My cousin comes in the park. He's like, "Yo, what you doing down here?" I was like, "Yo, I'm supposed to play with this team, but they ain't got no space for me." He said, "So, yo, I'm playing next. Let me talk to my man." He talked to his man. His man said, "Yeah, can you play? Yeah, all right, put him down." And that's how I got on the team. Like, I was like, "Oh, snap!" And I was nervous, but you know, I I only did what I know I could do really well, which was block shots and dunk, and and then it, it worked for me. But that's how I got on the team, and then. Every season, somebody tried to recruit me to their team from that point <laughs> on, and it, which was an amazing thing. But I also, I ain't gonna lie, I was shook. Like, yo, I'm not playing for a drug dealer's team because if something goes wrong, I'm not having yeah. them come at me right. because I missed right. a layup right. or yeah. didn't block a shot or whatever. Like, nah, I'm not. I'm good. I'm staying Branded with family. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to stay with my family where I know I'm safe and just play and not have to worry about repercussions if things didn't happen. And for people listening, when you watch the movie Paid in Full, those are the people that own teams. Always around there, allegedly. No, it's no allegedly. I, Alpo used to own a team. I remember Alpo owned a team one year. And Cats on the Block, Rashad, them, Fred, all of them used to say, yo, when you play against Alpo, you better not block his shot because he's going to get the goons after you. <laughs> oh, you're about the real Charlemagne. Yeah, 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 just Charlemagne. <laughs> all of them. They I used got to, Charlemagne. Yeah, they used, to, they used to gas it. Like, yo, you better not block Alpo's shot, man. Like, you know, he's crazy. And I was like, man, y'all crazy. And ironically, we played, and I actually blocked his shot. So, but wait, he, wait. Dorian Graham... <laughs> Block Alpo shot. Yeah, I mean Alpo can't play basketball. He wasn't good. 
So people just scared of him. He was like, yeah, people just scared of him. So I, I blocked his shot. And he actually gave me some love and respect for it. I was like, oh, all right, cool. You know, it's all right, it's all right, all right you know, People get blocked every day, right. B. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Drink some soup. <laughs> You're back out there. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, the, the, the basketball, you know, basketball, I was able to, to combine basketball and production. I was prob- I'm probably, if not the only one, one of the few that can combine the two worlds. Yes. And because I know the basketball world, the street ball world of New York during those times. And then I know what production, what it takes to produce something. Like everybody talks about, yo, I'm doing a documentary and on this and on Master Rob and whatever, whatever. And I'm like, all right, what are you, like, how are you doing it? Like, you, he has his camcorder, he's doing it. I was like, all right, you don't even have audio. Like, you're bugging. There's no way you're doing a documentary. I see what you're trying to do, but if you want to do it the right way, I'll help you. You know what I'm saying? But it, it, it's it's one of those things that, you know, fast forward to, to the project, you know, uh, for my- Dave still got it. Yeah, Dave still got it. And and you, I'm gonna tell you guys, I haven't really told nobody but the players. So basically, I came up with the idea, there was a, a league that I played in, a 38 and over league here in New York, while I've been living, while I was living in Los Angeles, called uh, the Pelham Fritz League. Basically, and, um, all the guys that I grew up playing with and against played in this league. And everybody was still pretty good. You know, they, right. you know, obviously we, we don't have our athleticism anymore, but everybody still knows how to play the it's game. So watching that, I came up with the idea like, yo, I wonder what would happen if I got like 15, 20 of us and played in like the three major summer leagues to see how we would do against today's generation. Wow. And I was like, yo, that would, you know, that would be interesting. So I thought about it for a couple of years. Then I decided, all right, I'm going to do it. Talk to uh, a couple of the players, talk to a couple of coaches, figure out how we can get it done. Then I partnered up with this company, this agency, ICM. My guy that hired me at Hoops TV. Right. Then hired me at ESPN. Then went to. 20 years. Then went to uh, Six Flags. Friendship. <laughs> is now a senior VP at ICM. Not ICM, I'm sorry. IMG, which is under oh. the, the William Morris Endeavor umbrella. He's a senior VP there. Nice. And I sat so with So you know big-time agents. Yeah. Like it, I, yeah. So you know big-time agents. I mean, he's not an agent. He's a senior VP. I don't even know the agents. That's the boy. I don't okay. even know the agents. you got the end. No, I got. I definitely got an end. <laughs> <laughs> I, ain't gonna I hope y'all listening closely. <laughs> I got jewels here. Y'all. There's jewels here. I definitely got an A in that. You right, know, right, right, right. You know, obviously, and as I said, it was a relationship that's happened for a long time. And uh, he liked the idea so much. He was like, yo, I want to do it. I'm going to have IMG partner with you to do this wow. show. We're going to pitch it to a couple of networks, whatever the case may be. That was like 2016, which is when I created the, the IG and, and the, the uh, Twitter. Correct. And um, so fast forward last, well, this summer, this past summer, 2018, Uncle Drew comes out. <laughs> now, uh, mind you, uh, I grew up with Kyrie's dad. His name is Dedrick Irving. Mm-hmm. We played biddies together. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like People don't know that's like Pee Wee League. Yeah, yeah, that's Pee Wee League for basketball. basketball. We played biddies. And 
with this team called the Sun Devils. And um Kyra's father's from here. Okay. Yeah, he's from, he from Patterson. Oh. He's from Patterson. Then you know, he, he moved, he played S is Carson. He played at uh, Boston University, right, scored nineteen hundred points, then went to Australia, Jeez. played ball. That's where Kyrie was born at. And then when Kyrie's mom passed, they moved to Seattle and then he moved back to Jersey. Um so I've known Kyrie, you know, since he was little. I got in touch with his pops and I speak to him you know, all the time. So, yo, I need to get in touch with Kai. I said, I know everybody come at you asking you for stuff. I'm not trying to ask Kyrie for nothing because I don't need nothing from him. I'm trying to put him in a position to do something to spin off of his movie, which is Dave Still Got It, which pretty much is the same thing. It makes it more relevant now because yeah. of Uncle Drew. So he said, all right, let me talk to him. He talked to Kai. Kai put me in touch with his production dude pitched the idea to him, sent him the deck. Um, and Kai liked it, so Kai is gonna be the executive producer of it. Wow. So now I got Kyrie as the executive producer, IMG as my partner, and we're pitching it to a couple of networks to kind of figure out which one makes the most sense, which one obviously comes with the best production budget to start shooting it in the spring of 2019, the summer, and play the summer of 2019. Are you shooting it? In the streets of New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or? No, New York. Okay. We're going to play we, we gonna play in three major tournaments in New York. I'm not going to say which ones yet because I haven't spoken to them yet. I kind of found out what it costs to be in the leagues, but I haven't told them everything it's about. We're going to play in two or three leagues in, in New York City to see how we do against the younger generation, but also to give the backstories of who we were then and who we are now and what we're doing with our lives. And, you know, Skip is playing, Speedy, like a whole bunch of dudes are going to play that I already talked to that are getting in shape. So it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be interesting. So hold on. This is something that is looking promising now. Ain't, ain't no new brass. The team would have come in like, never, we don't want this no more. No, nah, I mean, I hope not. I mean, my guy. So we went, I spoke to Netflix so far. and We're supposed to speak to ESPN. And, you know, we I have to actually... Uh, do uh, shoot some bios on a couple of the players because um, that's what they want. They want to, us to present in the deck. Um, but we've, we've sat on it long enough, and I told them that this summer it needs to happen. When we all just getting older, like you know me tearing my Achilles in September, like that stuff happens. Now we getting older, so you know it's, let's get this done now. And it's but just, they still got it though. No, no, I still got it. That's, that's, that's coming back. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it, right it, it's, it's, it's still, you want to go off of the, the relevance of, of having uh, Uncle Drew just being done last summer and people still remembering it. Right. And the nostalgia part of it. So we should take advantage of it for this coming summer. So, so off, off top, you got to get in this. Right, what's up? We here. You tell me what you want to do. Host. Host, host the show? He just said it. I just do something else. I don't know. I, I, mean, there's, no host. Host. I there's no host of the show, right. but we, we could find. So my, my purpose, I mean, obviously, is, is is to give love to the dudes that I grew up playing with and, and uh, give love to what they're doing in their lives now, whether it's coaching or they have a restaurant or whatever they're doing. You know, one of my dudes is a fireman. Like, So there's so many different stories. But then it's also about me, uh, and, I, and I've learned this from – I consider him my mentor, one of the dudes I grew up playing when I as a as an adult. I started playing with his name is Tony Hargraves, and he he taught. I've heard that name. Yeah, he he he. Uh, he's from the Bronx, uh, from Soundview. He went to Our Savior Lutheran, 
left-handed dude could only go left, but nobody could ever stop him. I heard about him. And He's a man that only could go left. Yeah. Everybody knew he was going left. left. No jump, but he's nobody, nobody could stop him. Yeah. It was the most hysterical that's what thing. He's always, that's what he was, people knew him for. Right. Like, he, he was one of the dudes that he helped put me on when it came to the, the unlimited level past Rucker Park, like Pro-Am and, you know, the, wow. the, the, the playing on ABC and, and all those things in Jersey. And we would go to Vegas and win leagues, like, you know, with the, the primetime roadrunners. And he... um he taught me, you know, watching him showed me how you 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 kind of took care of your family, which I already did in the, in the aspect of looking out for my people that I grew up with and, and things like that in some nature. But now being able to create a TV show and, and then hire people in some capacity, whether playing or on the production side, is what my plan is for this as well as... There's another one that I got that's not a reality show that's going to be a TV drama that I can't even tell y'all about yet. But sure, I'll just tell you. No, no, no. But I'll just let you read the opening scene, but it's pretty much my wire. It's going to be my wire. Like Ooh. the wire, like it's going to be that. Okay, great. And that's folks, probably like two years away. Gentlemen. But that's, I promise you. Exclusive. We're here. You need voiceovers? There'll be jobs. If, if this happens, we talking about, you know, a drama, a TV drama. Okay. okay. The best hey, snitch you need. Listen. Uh, tell her, he did it. <laughs> Look at that movement. He did it. See that movement? It's fluid. I don't know how it's a fluid, but it's fluid. He did it. You a line producer? What's up? What's good? Trust me, there, there'll be a lot of jobs available. Man. You know, this That's is a great is. thing. Uh, people really let you know how just the journey yeah. Of, of not just production, but believing in oneself. Because that was a lot of, you know, turnovers. And yeah, then that's how the industry goes. Doing so. with somebody else, not doing for yourself. Right. Very true. It's a beautiful thing. So shout out yes. to you, man. And definitely thank thank you so people much. People out man. here, he's still in ball clothes, you know, like the uh <laughs> the casual ball clothes is what we call them. So he still be balling. And it's exactly. they still got it. Exactly. Yes, indeed. And we went extra long uh, on the show, but we had my to bad, lay. My bad. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not you. Usually, people only we, for like half hour. And get we had to lay out. Lie. We had to lay out like a lot of all of that. I got you. I got you know, info. It. Let people understand like who you are. Right. You know what right. I'm saying. I appreciate we, that. We'll, we'll have you back at, at a later time when you get closer to you know to, production to the show. and Absolutely. stuff like that. Absolutely. And I also want to have you come back and talk about today's NBA and some of the things that's going on with college and stuff like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and get paid. With basketball paid. and you know cuz I know you really really know about those particular situations. You might have been in a few. Yeah. Yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I know a lot had of people some scouts that, or yeah, you know yeah, some I people know. I know some of hey, that Dory, stuff. Hey, Dory, want a sandwich? Like, <laughs> I know, that was good. You know what? We're laughing, but that's how <laughs> like, it start. Yeah. Let you know that got you. Did you yeah. take money or gifts? Like, yeah. what? He had, what are you talking about? Like, he gave me a packet of ketchup. I bought something. Like, you took it, though, so, you know, and you can't go nowhere now. No, and it's it, like. Yeah, it's, 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 it's slavery. And shout out to yeah. the, and it's not just with that. It's also with girls. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to talk about it. It's also with girls. They would blessings to that guy. I think he tried to. I well, I don't know if he did or did not. But the situation where a guy, uh, athlete, is charged with rape 
during a threesome. I, I don't, mean, I don't, I don't know about it, on but that, just so I can't, I can't speak towards that. Right. But you just you, you can gotta, get caught up in situations. Whether you did or not, you can get caught up in situations, yeah. and sometimes it's it could be a, a production. Oh, a, a full production. But if, if if at any time that girl says, "No, I don't want to do this no more," you got to stop. Accountability. No question about it. You, Absolutely. You got to stop. Absolutely. So where can people find out more about the things that you're doing and just to keep up with, um, you know, different different avenues that, that Dorian Graham is involved in? Um, I mean, you know, I don't, I'm definitely one to keep things close to me, to okay. the chest until okay. they actually start happening. Right. Um, you know, me, you know, the reason why I'll talk about Dave Still Got It because, you know, like I said, I have an IG and, and a, and a um, Twitter account for both and, and you know Kev kind of put two and two together to kind of figure out something must be happening like <laughs> all this basketball stuff so yeah right. you know so tell people what those are so oh so can. yeah it, it's uh, the, the, the the Twitter is they still got it T-H-E-Y S-T-I-L-L-G-O-T-I-T and then the Instagram is Dave T-H-E-Y-V-E S T I L L G O T I T. Sound like Case Hello right there. Yeah. Shout out to Charlemagne, the real oh, Charlemagne. Yeah, my man Charlemagne. He was like, yo, you having, you know, the role on the, on the, you know, on the show. Like, yeah, you, know, you know, Charlemagne used to do beats on a Casio. I seen a, a, I seen a real throwback Thursday pick of Charlemagne. What, did he have the fro? Yeah, and the, and the and the original big headphones, yeah, like the steel. Like I was like, yeah, he's been doing this for a long no, time. He, he, oh yeah, forever. You know, no, he, he he's been a musical yeah. genius since we was like 12, 13 years old. He was like on like taught himself, not like he went to That's what he said, yeah. took courses or anything. He taught himself. He was he knew how to DJ. He knew how to play Hip-hop. the keyboards. He knew. He That's was how we doing he, he's gifted for sure. Which is we so pick crazy. It up. <clears throat> yeah. Which is so crazy when we're at the clubs and he's DJing. Sometimes he'd be mixing songs that people wouldn't even dare to mix, like songs from the eighties, nineties, seventies, and people have no idea that they're, what they're being fed, but they know it's just great what he's doing. Real DJ. And people try to come and do That's it right out there. Like, I do it for you know for cheap or whatever. Then they'll be there like, nah, you can't be here. We, we need Charlemagne, the real Charlemagne. And he still does production too. So obviously, if he knows about no, no, I, that, I mean, again, that's you know, because I don't like one talking of the about jobs. stuff, but that's one of the jobs. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna need a music supervisor, definitely, so definitely. that's yeah, you know, that's 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 already in the big works. up to Post a lot on the check in from the West Coast and whatnot, what always Post supporting us and whatnot. Big up to you, Post a lot. We see you out there, man, definitely. And thank you once again, Dorian, for coming through. Anytime. You know what I mean? Make sure you keep up with them. They've still got it. That's how you do it. And uh, when the time is ready, you'll see those posts out there on the IG and the Twitter. Absolutely. I, I'm happy for you. You deserve I, I, it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You guys continue doing what y'all are doing. And, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's hard doing it for the culture and, and, and not getting the recognition, but you doing it because you love it. So that's a good thing. And, and you guys should keep doing it because it, it'll... It'll all pay off the right way at the end. Oh, absolutely. We invest in ourselves. You did something yeah. and, that, we, and we do get recognition yeah. from the right people. No, good. You did something that people wouldn't dare do. Which is? The whole MLK thing and everything else. Like that conscious way of thinking of just lost information. People wouldn't even dare try to risk their job or their career doing it. You did it. 
So shout out to you. Nah, I appreciate doing it when it wasn't popular. Doing what it, what I'm what I think I should do. I, I, I don't need accolades. What well, I think you should do those and things. And thank you for making being inspiring to neighborhood people like myself. So shout out to the neighborhood. No, definitely. Don't they have hundred percent? Bronx. Shout out to boy, no bu- busting ass. <laughs> Everything. It's Thermal Sound Waves, the natural alternative hey. to fast food radio, track life radio, WLGK, Logic Radio, Chicago, Worldwide, New York, uh, L.A., Miami, Houston. Thermal Sound Waves, Waves.